Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. Um, first things first, we have a new president. We have a new administration, a new era. Um, and it's very exciting. It's very exciting. There's so, still so much work to be done, but it's very exciting what's happened. And I'm recording this monologue just a couple, what, it's the 22nd. So just a couple days after the inauguration. And I did this interview the night before um, when I was chatting with Brody. So exciting times. And I didn't see the entire ceremony because I was teaching lessons, but I got to see Lady Gaga, as my future father-in-law calls her, sing the national anthem. She did a, fine, a phenomenal job. I saw Garth Brooks sing a cappella, and as my dear friend Grant says, they done did Garth dirty. And I tend to agree. They, I don't know if they made him do that or he decided to, but he went up there. That was gutsy, and he sang a cappella in front of millions and millions and millions of people. I suppose he's used to that sort of thing, but to go up and sing uh, a cappella uh, took some guts for sure. And then my, and I saw Biden's speech. And I'm still actually going back and watching through videos. I'm trying to see the whole thing in in YouTube clips and stuff. But my favorite part, and I did get to see this live, was Amanda Gorman. Oh, my gosh. 22 years old. Grew up with a stutter. Overcame that. She's a poet and activist uh, out of Los Angeles. And just was floored by her words, as I think everybody was. It was it was a treat. And that was just buying away my favorite part of the of the ceremony. So... Anyway, big event for Americans and, and for the world as well, just just the other day. My guest today is Brody Danger, who lives right here in Denver and is a drag performer. Brody also is a manager for 7S Management and works with the likes of Andy Frasco, who was just on this podcast a few weeks ago, Aaron Ray, His Golden Messenger, and Lucero. Brody has been on this podcast before a little over two years ago. I think it was in December of 2018, maybe. It's way back on episode nine as Rachel Miller. So if you go back to episode nine, Rachel Miller in parentheses, 7S Management, that's that episode. And Brody and I go way, way back. We met each other when we were two years old, when my family moved in and on Apple Court in Louisville, Colorado, right across the street from Brody's family. We grew up, we were best pals, and, you know, we went to a snake's birthday party. We started a band called The Superstars with plagiarized music. We did all kinds of crazy things as kids and stayed in touch as we got older and both ended up in the music industry. And I'm very proud that we're still such good friends and still catch up often. We go grab uh, beers or whatever. It's awesome to have that long standing of a friendship. We've been friends for almost 30 years. My oldest friend, not my oldest friend, my oldest friendship. How's that? So in terms of the drag career, I am going to just read from Brody's website because it's an awesome bio. So I'm taking parts of that here. Brody Janger is the rock and roll bad boy heartbreaker your parents warned you about with a healthy dose of glam rock thrown in for good measure. Most comfortable in a topless, glittery state, Brody has air-guitared and knee-slid their way into the hearts of audiences across the nation. A staple in the monthly cast of Drag Decades at the Clock Tower Cabaret since 2016, Danger has taken the art of draglesque, daring 
audience members to rethink gender norms while also serving as a symbol for all those who dare to be different. As a manager, I guess I sort of already went over that, who Brody manages. Brody's been with 7S for several years now, um, and before that worked with Devochka, had a couple internships in Denver, and has sort of been a staple in the business, in the business side of things, of the music industry, and has been a staple in the performance side of things in the drag community here. So we did a very quick conversation. I actually had a lesson I had to jump into and the two of us aren't capable for talking for a short period of time, but we had to here. We just jumped in, chatted for, you know, 30, 35 minutes and jumped out. And I'll have Brody back on again soon for sure. Um, they're going to be a staple on this podcast as well. So a short conversation for the podcast. But here it is, my conversation with Brody Danger. Thanks to our sponsors, PQ Mastering and Narrator Music. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to pqmastering.com. And Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, go to narratorrf.com. We chose to have some some craft brews during this interview on Zoom because that's what you do on Zoom when exactly. you're talking to kids, which is what I'm doing most of the time on Zoom. Um, what do you have? You know, I, I'm down to mystery beer, like I told you. So I found this in the back of my fridge. The jury is still out. I feel like I shouldn't say that because they're local. So don't hate us. Rose Brew IPA. Yeah, it's good, but I'm not sure about it. It like wants to be, it hasn't made up its mind yet which I respect in anyone or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this I, is something fruity from Odell's and the entire bottom shelf of our fridge. Like, I mean, not just the shelf, but the whole bottom of our fridge is beer. Um, and I did a lot of gigs this summer that were outdoors at breweries where they just couldn't pay and I needed to play. And so I played for tips in like four crowlers. So like, I like that. covered in beer. And Allie was saying, you know, we got a lot of beer, you know, you got to drink some of this and, and not fill it with more beer. And I said, okay, fair enough. Well, then yesterday she comes home from the store with more beer. So there you go. Dude, you, that's, and that's how, you know, I, I, that you found the one, which feels like an appropriate time for me to also publicly wish you congratulations if I'm allowed. Thank you. Yes. We're engaged. (laughs) um i think that betty is also like trying to sell me on us needing like a little mini refrigerator for downstairs um which i could only think all that would be put in it would be beer or in her case gin and tonic um but i don't feel like we can go wrong you know the place where i teach lessons like the other lesson studio i don't know what the purpose of this is but the other lesson studio has the the Christmas tree that was taken down that they had on the stage. Okay. And just like a beer fridge that's not plugged in. And I thought about asking like, hey, what are you going to do with that? Um, my homie Brody's looking for one of those. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I think it's just the color of this one that's winning us over. But um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we've reached, I feel like you reached that age where it's like, you have a mini fridge when you're in college and then maybe it's not okay. And then a, a, maybe we're back to the point of which having a mini fridge full of beer is respectable again, or maybe I'm just being judgmental of myself. 
I want one. I'm not hating on it. Let me be very clear. You know what? I think when you get closer to 30, the mini fridge is an extra fridge. And when you're closer to 20, a mini fridge is all you can afford. So there's probably that like gap in there where you just don't have a mini fridge. Perfect. I'm just thinking back to our childhood where we had the massive fridge, but my mom only stocked it with Capri Sun. So it feels like we're coming full circle. Yes. And we, you know, for those who don't know, we both somehow ended up in the music industry and we grew up right across the street from each other from ages, you know, two and three years old. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so we had many Capri Suns together. We, you know, trampled through the forest that quickly became a neighborhood um, in Louisville, Colorado. And yeah. I was writing a piece recently. Um, so I was, I did this, this show, um, my first show of the year um, last year, or sorry, wow, let me start over. My first show of 2021 last week um, at the Nomad Theater in Boulder. It was called Stories on Stage. And one of the things they had us do, which was like a totally different experience for me was we wrote personal stories. And so we like did a couple of um, performances and then interspersed with these stories. Um, And so I was like reflecting on like, you know, coming to be who I am. And one of the, um, one of the things that I had written about in the first draft, this is nothing personal, Andy, it didn't make it into the final draft, but I wrote about our very first band called Superstars and our boy band photo shoots that we used to do. Yes. And I feel like. And I still remember the Tupperware instrument. Yeah. <laughs> and I still remember Nick's song. We're, 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 we're superstars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So that was clearly Nick, who is now the sports anchor on Channel 7, Denver, I think. Yeah, Nick shout Rothschild. Out. Shout out. Shout out. He shout out, never yeah. listened to this, but um, he lived next door to us also, you know, as our is our street and uh he must have had a knack for writing songs because his song uh is the only one of our songs that I can remember. I I like it. I think we should we should bring it back someday. We'll like yes. when it turns 8 a.m. we'll bring out the Tupperware and bang on them and see who in the neighborhood remembers us. Yeah, yeah, right. Um as little people as possible, I would say. <laughs> I would imagine so. I think your probably you and Nick's house are the only ones still in the block. I think that's right. I think that's right. Glory days. Oh, the glory days. Well, just, a, you know, if, if you want uh, the full scope of you, uh, audience can go back to episode nine, Ooh. Rachel Miller's 7S Management, as it's labeled. And that came out, uh, I don't know, this December of 2018, I think. So a oh. while ago. Um, so that's like, a lot of the story of you, but for people that are joining us for the first time, um, give us just a quick who you are. All right. I like it. Um, I know the quick version I've been, I, I feel like I'm reaching that point where I can say I've been in the music industry for close to a decade now, which worries me, but is yeah. cool at the same time. Any great. Um, uh, apparently Betty points them out the other day and I was not <laughs> So I'm going to work on that. I'm going to get a haircut next week. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, Andy and I went to school together, um, which was crazy. You for jazz piano performance and me for uh, music business. Um, And so I got my start with um, local band Devochka in 2012, I think. And I worked with them for um, like three years and tour managed for them a bit. Um, And then I joined up with 7S in gosh, April of 2015, I think. And so I'm coming up on six years now working there. Um, 
which is amazing. And I love it. Um, yeah, I don't think I knew that I wanted to go into management until I kind of started doing it. Um, but so far, 10 years later, so good. Um, yeah. And then on the side, um, which more so on the side now in this pandemic, but before um, I, I've been performing as a drag entertainer and I like to call it boylesque, which is, you know, I like to take my clothes off for money um, since 2016, I think. So mainly at the clock tower downtown, um, but a lot of the, the bars all over town, Hamburger Mary's and X bar and anywhere will have me really. The, uh, the Oriental theater. The Oriental theater. That's right. That's where you saw me for the first time. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was a fun show. And so you've, you're in management. I know you've always wanted to be in the music industry. I mean, I think we both have since yeah. we were kids. Um, and you've gotten into the management side of things, but you are also performing. And I would say that's more than a side hustle for you at this point. That's a serious thing you're doing. And that's one of the differences maybe since we talked last is you were doing it, but in the last two years or a little over two years, um, you've really embodied Brody Danger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so talk about that a little bit. What's that been like um, doing the performances and kind of just making that a real, you know, a part of who you are more than just a side hustle. Totally. You know, it's funny because I think that like, when I think back to our childhood, my biggest regret is that I didn't allow you to teach me piano better um, or guitar. You tried your hardest and I just wasn't having it slash my brain doesn't work that way. Um, so I think I always kind of joke that like secretly, I think I always wanted to be a rock star. I just don't have that musical ability despite as much as I tried. Um, and so what I really like is I feel like once I discovered drag, it was like that other element where it's like, I get to live that fantasy on stage um, while also, you know, um, you know, even though obviously, you know, it's I lip sync and I pretend I can play guitar, but you know, um, uh, but yeah, obviously it's not live or like live singing, I should say. Um, so I, it's, it's been great to kind of mash the worlds together. And I think I've learned through it just why managers have jobs as well, which has been great to, <laughs> to discover where it's like, it's truly hard to be your own advocate sometimes. And I feel like that's, those are my moments too, where it's like, I feel like it's a blessing and a curse sometimes because I spend, I've, I've spent every day to some degree for the last six years, man, you know, like producing shows or marketing shows that I feel like sometimes I can get a little more, um, what's the word? Like, uh, I don't like to see poorly marketed shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I feel like I'm always like, I could do this better. Like, what? Like, you know, and it's always something super silly where I'm like, half my face is cut off. But like, that's yeah. why you need people like us to be like, hey, venue, this person's face is cut off. Can you fix it? Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's been an interesting line to walk some days where it's like, you know, getting to see it from both sides. Um, yeah. It but are you able to be as good of a manager for yourself as you are for other people? Like, do you have that when it's you, you treat it a little bit differently? It, sometimes I feel like, no. And like, that's what bums me out sometimes. Cause I just feel like it's hard. It's so hard to advocate for yourself and not feel like you're coming off poorly. Yeah. Where like, I'm always so worried that like, I'm going to look like, 
I'm going to use the word diva for lack of a better word. Like that's not, you know, but it's like, you're always worried that like, oh, if I say that I don't like this or I try to fight for like more of something, it's going to reflect poorly on me and they're not going to want to work with me. Right. You know, like I'm always worried that I'm coming out like too manager, like too guns a blazing that I'm like, I always try to kind of reel it in, but then secretly being like, ah, damn it. Like, why can I do this for someone else? Um, yeah, so, uh, right. You know, so you don't want to come off as as that person, but I, I guess if someone else was doing it for you, if you had a totally. one of you, the artist can be chill. And that's probably what the artist likes about it too. That has a different manager. Right. I think so. I feel like we're always the first to be like, let us be the bad guy. Like, yeah, that's, that's why you, that's, I think partially what, yeah, what we're great at. Like you play the, like you show up, you be nice. You're, you're so happy to be there and then let us fight behind the scenes to, to get you more money or get you better billing or get you whatever you, your green M&Ms in your dressing room. Not that yeah. we have any of those, but you know, the, the, yeah. the jokes, but. Um, would you be able to, or would you consider, I should say, would you consider signing with a management company for your artist career? Like, would you be able to relinquish that and let someone else do it and fight those battles for you? Or would you be like, no, the manager inside of me would always want to do that job. Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if I, if I ever get to that point, then I would like to think I would gladly give up control for the headache. But at the same time, I love it so much. And it is your baby that I a hundred percent understand why artists are like hesitant about getting management for the first time or like understanding of like, when do you get management? Like, what is that threshold in which you don't feel like you can or want to do it anymore? Cause I feel like that's the biggest question we always get is like, how do you know? Right. And I think it's just half personal preference and half like, you know, when you know, yeah. And you know, when you're, when you feel ready to give up the reins, which is different for everyone. And do you think it can come off poorly when an artist is maybe not big enough for a manager in, in the public eye, but they have one anyway, can that come off in a negative way too? If you have somebody fighting battles when you're like, wait a minute, you're, you know, you're not that big yet. I think it's, I think it can be tough to do that sometimes. I mean, mainly just, um, because sometimes I think it's, I think it can create difficulty maybe more than it should. Like there's some things that I just think it's easier for you to do yourself and you, um, should be okay with that. Like for certain things, maybe like, like scheduling or just certain, like, I feel like a lot of the little things that maybe young bands or people like think they need a management manager for, but really it just kind of creates an illusion that maybe doesn't need to be there. And that is totally, again, like could not be true. Um, But I don't, I mean, I don't think it's ever bad to have help. And I think that if it's working for you and as long as that that person knows what they're doing and it's coming across in the right way then hell yeah do it do it let someone work for the artist i feel like is always the goal so i'm always in support of that so what is you know these uncertain times you know on both sides of the coin both in management and and um, as an artist but as an artist specifically what do you see happening for your career as things are maybe starting to open back up. I mean, what's, what do you think 2021 looks like for you, the performer? It's tough. I think, um, you know, I think 2021 is still going to look a lot kind of like 2020 
Um, as much as I hate to say that, um, I certainly feel like, but okay, let me, let me, let me back up. Joe Biden gets in the white house and like, I don't know how many hours, 18 hours, hours. Yeah. 12 hours, something like that. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to change everything. Um, and I hope that's not just the like cautious optimism in me. Like, I really think that these next few months are going to determine the rest of the year, obviously. So I'm hopeful that like this fall, we'll see shows kind of returning. Um, you know, it's been tough for, for drag because, um, the mask mandate on stage is tough. So like most places, you know, you have to wear a mask regardless, which I've full support of but it's really hard when you rely on lip syncing so uh, like i managed to do a few shows last year um but it's it's just tough it's like a it's hard to feel sexy in a mask um let me be again very clear i'm in full support of masks all the time yeah, yeah. everyone wear them this is yeah um, roadie danger supports masks however it's tough to wear them on stage um so i feel like until that kind of starts to diminish um i don't know how many shows I'll be doing. Um, I've done some cool virtual stuff and like, I feel like that's been really fun. Like it's kind of pushed me to think outside the box a little bit more. Um, I don't know if you remember my cousin, Molly, um, she graduated from CU Denver actually with a filmmaking degree. And so we had some fun early on in COVID, um, sorry, early on in quarantine doing some like, um, like music videos almost. So I feel like it was fun to kind of choreograph and perform with the idea of like, it's getting edited together and it's going to be more than I could, maybe we could convey on stage. Yeah. Um, so that's been kind of fun to like, keep, keep the brain going. Um, do, but, you, do you like having something like that? That's, I mean, the live show, you do it and it's done. Is that cool to have something like that? That's up on YouTube that can be watched, you know, forever. Yeah. I really like it. It's been, it's been different. Um, it's just tough because it's like, as I'm sure you've felt during this whole thing too, it's just, you forget how much you thrive off the audience, you know, and how hard it is to like serve it to your dog. I don't know. So like, right. you know, Sam's just not a great, he doesn't cheer enough for me, but you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um, so I certainly miss the, like that interaction, but it's been good to figure out ways to make it work. Um, and to stay kind of creative and, not feel totally like it was a lost year. Yeah. Certainly didn't feel that way at all. But and are so I I've seen um I saw one you posted not that long ago. Um and I I can't remember what the song is off the top of my head now that I have pressure to remember it. Um but you it's like a bar scene and it's super well done. Like the video is super well done and the performance is super well done. It's awesome. Um is that one up for everybody to see? Can we link to that? That is. Yeah. Yeah. That one's on YouTube. So that was one that, um, my partner Betty and I filmed downtown. Um, it's one of my favorite Lucero songs, uh, on my way downtown, which was also fun because one of my best drag memories and like bucket list items was, um, we opened up for Lucero at mission ballroom last year. Yeah. Um, and so it was, and like, that was like, they're, they're massive supporters of mine, which is great. And it's so sweet to be able to like, again, kind of meld both personalities and the manager and the uh, performer side of me. Um, so that was a blast. And so I was super stoked to do that song. Um, I thought it was going to become an, an official music video. Not yet, but I'm still pushing for it. Yes, absolutely. Did, <laughs> did, um, did you do one of their songs at that show at the mission? 
I didn't. No, I did. Um, I did Queen. Uh, yeah. Awesome. But maybe I want to figure out and see. This is going to be kind of the opposite, which is Betty and I choreographed this one, kind of to be filmed. So I think it'll be a challenge then to like maybe try to adapt it for the stage. So it'll almost be like the opposite of what I've been trying to do all the break of yeah. quarantine. <clears throat> but. And what's the next stage? I mean, Mission Ballroom is what I think somewhere between 2000 and 4000 capacity, depending on where they put the stage. So, yeah. you know, you pretty much you've done it all. What's what's I have to retire now? Yeah. Yeah. What's um, I don't know. I, at this point, I'm like, I will perform at any stage as long as there's people there. Um, yeah. I would like to. I would like to get Andy Frasco to teach me how to crowd surf when um, the world allows. Although I feel like it's going to be a very long time before I'm willing to have like hundreds of strangers touch me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I think I have the same dreams as like you know a lot of Colorado performers, where I'm like Red Rocks would be dope. Of course. Um. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably probably it mission was amazing i mean it's so weird i'm so used to like you know i mean the clock tower which is my you know it's home home you know but it's like there's their stage is definitely like smaller so it's it's fun to have to play to play to a massive massive stage oh that's so cool so yeah hopefully again hopefully again yeah um uh, oh go ahead no no go for it so now on you know, on the management side of things, you've been with 7S for a while now, several years. Um, who are who are you working with currently? I know you've got Lucero, you've got Andy Frasco, you've got his Golden Messenger. Um, who else is on that roster that you that you're working with? Um, you got it. You oh, you got most of it. Um, I work with the young singer songwriter Aaron Ray out of Nashville. Um, yeah. she's incredible. We're um, she was up for Americana, Emerging Americana Artist of the Year yeah. last year or 2019. Um, so that was a blast. Brian and I went out to to Nashville and hung at Americana Fest for for a week, which so much fun. Uh, yeah, I see. I, I know we got to go next year. Yeah, yeah. I went out in 2013, I think, and it was okay. amazing. So I'm always down. That. It <laughs> always just makes me like, I, like I think I, Colorado has a great scene for sure. Period, but. Nashville just makes me feel like it's just a different level. Like it's just, there's that family that yeah. aspect that I just don't necessarily know that we have to the same degree. And maybe it's just because I'm not a part of it in that yeah. way, but yeah, um, it was just so much fun. It's like such a different a sense of community. Yeah, totally. Where it was just so much fun to see everyone kind of playing in everyone's sets. And like, you know, you kind of started seeing the same folks around at all the different shows and showcases because everyone's just kind of, they're hanging out to support and it's just, uh, just, yeah, the vibe around it is just so, so like wholesome and fun and just reminds you of like why we're all doing it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's, don't know. that's wonderful. So what is pre COVID? Let's start with that pre COVID. What's a day in the life like, and I know it's probably different all, all the time, but a day where you're in the office, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, for the starters, you hit, you hit it on the, the nail on the head when you said I went to an office. That was number one. That was step one. Pants, shower, office. Now it's in a very different order. Um, but, probably don't happen at all. 
And some of them don't happen at all. I'm like, <laughs> five o'clock, I should, should I shower? I should shower. Yeah. Um, no, well, you know, it, and it was always different because it always just depends on where our bands are at in their career. Um, you know, obviously there was a ton of touring. Um, so, you know, it was so strange when all of a sudden, you know, the lockdown happened and it was like, we started rescheduling shows and I think we rescheduled them a couple of times before we finally kind of gave up and it was just, all right, things are canceled and we'll revisit it. Um, but, you know, lately I've got a bunch of artists that are writing and recording because we've kind of tried to figure out how how to make things work. So I think I'm probably combining two of your questions, which is how does it differ now than it did yeah. then? Yeah. Um, so stop me if you if you want. But um, Perfect. cool. So so, yeah. So now I think we just focused a lot more of like, you know, there's no real live sh- live shows for a while. So there's no tours to plan for. But, you know, all we really did was then kind of just take that all online. Um, so like Lucero had a lot of great, so great, um, uh, great luck with their, with live streams. Um, and, you know, I kind of shrugged it off in the beginning of like, I didn't really see how it was going to be sustainable and it totally kind of proved me wrong. And like, they, you know, there's, there's a dedicated fan base out there that just wants to see music in any capacity. And, you know, and I thought it was really cool that, you know, we started seeing people kind of like, you know, set up make a night of it, you know? So it was like, they, they had their favorite restaurant or they made sure to cook a nice dinner and get, and, you know, and make drinks. And they sat down to watch it virtually with their friends. And I thought it was really cool the way that everyone just kind of figured out how to still make it a night out, even though you weren't leaving your, your house. Um, so that's kind of where a lot of our efforts went. Um, and then using the time to kind of make, make new music. So we got a lot of, you know, Lucero's records coming out on January 29th. Um, which is great. It's a lot different than anything they've ever done, but, um, it's a great record. Love it. I love them. Um, and so, yeah, so we're right now, we're just working on new music and live streams and tentatively hoping for 2021 fall. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't apparently accepted the fact that it's 2021 yet, but fall of 2021, I think we'll see shows. And a, a year ago we would have been saying, okay, fall 2020. Actually, less than a year ago, we would have. Been if you could have told, if you would have told me that, I, I just, I never believed it. Yeah. I never thought we'd be, yeah, two years without shows, but. So are things, do you see things going back to normal in every facet at some point, or are there some permanent changes either for you personally or for the company or just for management in general? I think it's going to take a long time. I think we're all kind of permanently changed from it. Like I kind of joked about earlier with like crowd surfing. Like when I think about drag, it's like my favorite parts were like, you know, you're sweaty in a crowd of people taking dollar, but like taking money from people. And I'm like, it's going to be like, I've had people give me dollars in unhealthy in, in normal non COVID times, unsanitary of ways that I'm like, I don't know about this, but you're in the moment. So you're like, all right, sure. I'll put that dollar in my mouth. And now I'm like, Oh my God, like, how did I not get COVID already from that? Yeah. Um, but I shouldn't joke about getting COVID. I apologize. But you know, it's like that idea where it's like all of a sudden it's like, yeah, everything is just kind of different where it's like, you know, I think we're going to think twice about certain things. Um, at least I will personally, but I also think that once we know we're safe, it's all going to kind of hopefully fall back into place, even if it takes a little bit. Like I imagine Frasco is going to be stage diving just as soon as he's allowed and everyone else feels safe. And I'm hopeful that that's kind of what 
what'll happen with everyone. Yeah, well, and I when you bring up uh, Andy Frasco, he's somebody who I think actually, I, I mean, I think a lot of artists have been like, how can I sustain this? Or how can I, how can I do something to carry me through until um, variable time? And <laughs> he's somebody who I think grew his fan base and bringing him up in particular as a Colorado artist now. Yeah. I think he probably grew his fan base like a massive amount during quarantine because he's somebody who was very much able to adapt to the situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Andy is great and he just started and it started in the same way I feel like as everyone where it was like, I have all this time on my hands. What do I do? And like Andy is a road warrior. So he's been on the road you know, he's never home for more than maybe a week or two at a time. And even that is like, sometimes it's not even his home, you know? So I think all of a sudden, like he had this brand new house he just bought in Denver and he was stuck here and he kind of just made the best of it. So he started out kind of with just quarantine videos to kind of help keep, you know, people's spirits up, um, which transitioned into his weekly live stream called Andy Frasco's World Saving Shit Show which was a parody of his podcast, Andy Frasca's World Saving Podcast. Yeah. Um, or not a parody, but like a sister show kind of. Um, you know, and that picked up a ton of momentum and I think got him a bunch of a different fan base that maybe wouldn't have caught him at a show or on the road. And um, so he's been able to kind of parlay that into the next step of his career. Um, he joined Cameo, which has been amazing. Um, do, you have so, to be, do you have to be like, do you have to get invited to join Cameo? Yeah, I don't think so. I think anyone can join it. Um, I should know more about it than I do, but it's insane, man. Like, did you, I don't know if you ever watched The Office, but Kevin from The Office, I read this article recently. He made like a million dollars on Cameo last year. Oh my God. Yeah. Like he charges like a couple hundred bucks for a shout out and it's insane. Like I, I wish I'd created Cameo. That's all I can say to that. Wow, it's absolutely <laughs> like it's shocking. incredible. But yeah, I think that's what's so great is I think that this, I think that, you know, what we went through in 2020 kind of opened up a lot of doors that maybe we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, you know, like before you and I jumped on this call, I was tell I was telling you about the show I did last week, which was um stories on stage out of Boulder. And it was like we we um I did it with my good friends, Zara and Shirley Delta Blow, two, two amazing drag queens here that I perform with at the Clock Tower monthly um, in good times. Um, and so we had to write this, like, not half, but we wrote this 15-minute kind of story looking back on, on whatever we wanted to talk about, really. And, um, you know, and that's something that I don't feel like, you know, may have come about otherwise. Or, like, I've never been, you know, had this cool, like, just different opportunities of have kind of popped up and, um, you know, through quarantine, it was like, I think I learned a lot more about who Brody as a person is not just Brody, the performer. Um, you know, so I know, you know, you know, that I had, you know, gender affirming top surgery, um, a couple weeks ago, which was amazing. So now, um, next, next podcast, we'll do shirtless. How about that? I love it. And how are you doing, by the way? Can you lift your arms? I mean, are you? Uh, I'm not allowed to do more than that. Okay. But I'm a month. I'm a month post-op, so awesome. um, I'm healing really well. Thank you. Um, and I've got about 
four more days in this compression vest and then it's over. Oh, you're in a compression yeah. vest. I didn't know that. And this is yeah. the second, you've done two surgeries too, right? A f- you did one a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was younger, I thought I just wanted to be smaller. And then I realized through a lot of things that I really just wanted them gone. And I wanted to be able to take my top off legally whenever I wanted to. Um, so, so yeah, so it's surgery. Yeah. So this one's kind of, um, it's like, it's called a bilateral mastectomy, I think. So take all the tissue out, um, and, uh, reposition everything. And, um, yeah. So in two weeks I'll be like fully, fully cleared to do just about anything. Pump some sweet iron. If I did that really some sweet iron, I'm going to become that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I take another sip of my beer, take another sip of your beer. Are you, are you totally stoked about it? I mean, is there any part of you that thinks like, Oh, what did I do? Are you just so excited? I'm so excited, man. I think it feels, it's funny. It's like, it's one of those things that I don't think I quite realized. Um, well, that's not how I want to say it, but, but it feels so right. Like I was so prepared to be like, so happy every time I looked in the mirror, but I've had this like weird thing where it's like, I look in the mirror and it's like, yeah, totally. Like that, that's what I've seen my whole life. I just like, usually it was like, I could only see it through like performing as like when I was like presenting as Brody danger and had like, you know, taped my chest or something. It's like never what I used to see, like getting ready for work in the morning. Um, but it also like, it doesn't, it just feels 100% right. So it's awesome. And I just, I just can't wait to be able to, to perform more and like get out there and, you know, kind of live more like that or just get to a park and take my shirt off really is what I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, was there, is there a part of you that when you started doing the performing as, as Brody danger, that, that was maybe an initial outlet because that was sort of how you wanted to see yourself. I think totally. And I think it was subconscious at first. And then I think the more and more I got into it and started performing, the more, um, more comfortable I felt in that. And then the more I just like thrived off of getting to experiment that way. I mean, I think that's what's so great about performing in any capacity, right? Like you get to say things that like, maybe you wouldn't say, you you know, you can write songs that you maybe wouldn't have, you don't have the words to say it in real life. So you write a song, right? you know, or like, you know, and it's the same with, with, you know, what I do performing. And so um, I think it just helped me grow my confidence and then just see this other side of myself. And then I think when we went into quarantine it w- and I stopped performing, I didn't realize quite, quite how much I was getting from just how much I was getting from it. If that makes sense, where it's like, yeah, I thought I loved the spotlight and I thought I just liked being on stage, but it was like, Oh no, like this is like a genuine outlet for me to, to like, um, present myself. And when that was taken, it kind of messed with my head in a way I wasn't prepared for. Um, but overall, like kind of led me to where I am now, which is even better. Like, you know, I'm so grateful that I kind of was able to explore that and navigate it and figure out a way to make myself even happier. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Do you see yourself touring? I would love it. <laughs> Lucero always jokes that they're going to take me on the road and Brian is like, absolutely not, but it would be a blast. And I, I feel like now, ironically, I can more like before it was just like, I didn't think my body could handle it. Cause it's no easy feat to tape and untape yourself. Um, you know, it's bad 
for you and your skin or not bad for you, but it's, it's hard on your body. Um, so now that I don't have that to deal with, if you need an opening act, man, call me, you know, the number. Likewise. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Let's do it. Take, I feel like we decided this last time and it's been two years. So I'm going to hold you to this one. I know. Yeah. We got to take this show on the road. <laughs> I'd love it. Uh, um, well, it's so great to it's so great to catch up with you again. Oh, the last thing I wanted to ask you, which is totally unrelated to what we've just been talking about, do you see yourself going back into an office, or are you totally, uh, if you have a choice, is your office at home forever? Um, I secretly, I think I'm one of the few people that I miss going to the office. Like, I kind of miss. I'm. I need to. I need to be regulated better. Like I, I like having like somewhere to be at a certain time, but also like, I like, I like knowing when it's okay to shut down. Cause I think I'm a, I'm a workaholic by nature. So it's hard for me to roll out of bed to my computer and then also feel okay to walk away. Um, so I miss my friends at the office, but I think that we're home for this. I think I'm home for the year. Yeah. So when it's safe for us to do so, let's work together from a coffee shop. Yes. Um, anything else? Did I, did we leave out anything huge? I mean, we've been friends for nearly 30 years, so. I know, I know. Right. I'm trying to think, I feel like there's so much we can always talk about. Um, I don't know, man, let's, we should, let's do a catch up. We'll do episode two, like partway through the year when we know like where we're at. Yes. I love it. I'm just bold. I'll just forget the tour. I'll invite myself to your podcast monthly. Yes, you can be a special guest. I like it. I would like it. <laughs> I know that my uh, my um, my theme song for my segment will be the "We're Superstars" beat. Yes, didn't we find out that that might have been just a little bit plagiarized? I think it was. So yeah. we should. I they, wish we could find it. He couldn't have written that good of a melody at like seven years old. Yeah, no, I think he, I think he ripped it from Radio Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, well, stay on the line with me if you don't mind for a Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm going to uh, say goodbye publicly. Thank you for coming on. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. There you have it. Great conversation with Brody Danger. Thank you, Brody, so much for coming on. I sure appreciate it. And I appreciate your friendship all these years. I'm not really going to play out with anything. I'm just going to let it end today. So thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, or death threats, you can direct them to me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, I'm now on Patreon at patreon.com slash andysiddo. For less than the price of one cup of coffee per month, you can help me keep this thing going and keep me doing what I'm doing as a musician and as a podcast host and continuing to grow. If you want to help out, Uh, but are not in a position to do so in a monetary way, that's totally okay. You know what you can do? You can rate, five-star review, tell your friends about the podcast. That only takes a second on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It is a huge, huge help. Thanks again so much, and I look forward to chatting with you next week.